This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Welcome to the Establish the Past podcast presented by Clutch Points. We are at episode three. I am your host, Blake Level. With me is my co-host, Dylan Reagan. And uh, Dylan, today we are all about the fantasy football, uh, all the breakout stars, the sleepers, uh, all the ADPs. We're going to tell everyone exactly what they need to do in fantasy, and our hope is that you do the complete opposite if you want to win. Isn't that right? <laughs> I will, we'll see. I mean, hopefully our, for our sake, no, but... Uh, I guess we'll, there's only one way to find out and let the games begin. <laughs> yep, that's right. And before we get to the uh, the fantasy fun, uh, which will be pretty much uh, the bulk of this episode, we do our usual headlines, and uh, we start with an injury. And Dylan, as we know, injuries are never a good thing, especially at any point in the season, uh, but not for a player that a lot of people uh, were going to rely on, and specifically the Chargers were going to rely on as uh, they took a pretty big hit uh, there with Derwin James going down with his injury. Um, Anthony Lynn has said he's unsure if he'll play at all this season. Um, a stress fracture, that's not something you want to hear either. He's going to have surgery. Three to four months is kind of the recovery time, not what the Chargers wanted to start their season, especially when you consider uh, that they're dealing with uh, Melvin Gordon's holdout and that as well. Yeah, I mean, I we had a headline that we wrote for uh, one of our articles about this, and I said that Chargers and injuries go together like Valentine's Day and heartbreak. It's just kind of a, mm. it's a tough thing where it seems like year after year, there was a few years back where they had, it seemed like three or four or five centers that they went cycled through with all the injuries there, and then you know across the board last year, last year obviously Hunter Henry missing the entire season, Joey Bosa out till pretty late, and now they lose Derwin James, who. And just one year became the heart and soul of their defense. Was a was a lot of people know a first team All Pro as a rookie. He's the first player in franchise history to record 100 tackles as a rookie, um, and just such a key part of their defense. They'll have Adrian Phillips replace him. Uh, not the same, but you know, still a solid player. And for their sake, hopefully, you can get back in December, um, and hopefully, they're in the playoff race at that point. Yeah, it's uh, it's not good, and uh, it's something where this was a team that had high expectations, and they still do. Uh, but like we said, there are now some unknowns uh, with his injury, with the Melvin Gordon situation, and uh, there's there's just a lot going on there, maybe more uh, than we thought there'd be at this point for that team, but not an injury they wanted to see here uh, this early in the season. And we go from that to something that I think we have discussed probably for more minutes than any other <laughs> you know, topic we've had on this podcast since we started it three weeks ago, and that is Antonio Brown. It never ends. There is more drama. There's been more drama. 
we go back uh, earlier in the week where you had him leave training camp and uh, Mike Mayock pretty much just called him out and said he had to be all in or all out. Uh, we didn't know what was going to happen. More helmet problems, uh, more issues. I don't know. I'm going to talk about Antonio Brown later, Dylan. I'm going to leave my comments for then uh, for one of the specific things we're going to talk about. Uh, but this thing just keeps going and going and going. Yeah, I'm not sure. By the time the season starts, we'll have him appear in every headline uh, section here. Uh, he did return to practice on Monday, and then on Tuesday practiced with a certified helmet from the NFL. So you you want to think there's progress, and you want to think it's over, but the, it's never over with AB, it doesn't seem like. The grievance hearing is not going to be until Friday. Um, so in terms of the toll it could t- take on some of the younger guys, I'm not incredibly worried myself uh it seems like john gruden i mean just based on what you see in hard knocks has handled it well uh not really making too much of it acting kind of setting the tone for the rest of the team to just let ab kind of handle his own business away from the team but he's and hopefully by the time this all sorts out you know his uh feet uh stuff will kind of be sorted out as well so from that end i mean maybe he wasn't gonna really practice anyway um it's just a lot of headlines and things for us to talk about but in terms of what he'll do on the field uh hopefully it doesn't end up actually having any impact whatsoever <laughs> yeah john gruden said it was no laughing matter but uh, i know there's there's a lot of people that maybe are going to be doing more crying than laughing uh, <laughs> if this continues because uh it is it just is it, it seems like every time we record about a couple hours later uh, something happens with this, and it's just uh, who knows? Who knows? And I know that we can maybe uh, make our own guesses, but I don't know. There's there's just lots of drama there, and and that's something the Raiders probably didn't want uh, this early on in his tenure there. Uh, they didn't sign him for for all this, but if he's on the field, he can be one of the best. We know that. It's just a matter of if he's going to be on the field. So uh, moving that to I, I guess more drama. It's just so much drama in the NFL right now. <laughs> Um, my goodness, I, I don't know what's going on. Baker Mayfield and Daniel Jones, uh, that was kind of the the big focus when you look at a GQ article that came out. Uh, Baker Mayfield reportedly said something about the Giants taking Daniel Jones and how surprised he was by it and, um, you know, talent evaluators overthinking it. So everything seemed to point towards basically him knocking Daniel Jones. However, Baker responded, uh, said that's not what he said. It wasn't, you know, that in that context. Again, another situation, Dylan, where it's just drama. I don't think there's anything to it, but uh, who knows? It's one of those things where I don't think anyone knows what exactly was said, but they seem to not have a problem with each other now. Everything seems to be okay, but it's it's certainly uh, captured the headlines for a while. Yeah, as you mentioned, Min- uh, Mayfield reached out to Daniel Jones, who report uh, he replied with a "No worries, man" text. So sounds like everything's good with them. It, yeah, another. I think we're just kind of waiting for the season to start. You have these uh, interviews that the different publications get through the whole off season. They kind of obviously have them come out around this time of year um, when everyone's starting to get back into a football mode. Uh, yeah, nothing really here again. It doesn't really impact anything on the field. When you first saw it, you you know, personally with Mayfield's kind of brash comments, I'm usually fine with how he approaches things. I like him being authentic. But this this did feel completely unnecessary. So when he came back and said, well, this is his, uh, his words kind of got uh, twisted, it made a little bit of sense because there's no reason for a guy to just call out a peer for no reason. It's not like, you know, they've had some battles against each other and, uh, some sort of trash shot kind of leading up to this. Um, 
so yeah at this point it hopefully will just kind of get uh die out but it gave us at least one day of headlines for the two of them <laughs> drama speaking of drama there, there's plenty of drama in dallas because uh we've talked about all the things going on there with uh, their stars and money and you know money causes drama sometimes and the cowboys have apparently decided they want to hand out some money but it's not to the players that maybe we were expecting first. And uh, that's because Jalen Smith was the first guy to get the extension, uh, gets a long-term extension with the Cowboys, five years, $64 million. He's got 35.5 guaranteed. Um, I don't know if he's the first one we thought would be off the board uh, for Jerry Jones and company in terms of all these extensions with everything we've talked about with Dak Prescott, Ezekiel Elliott. Um, but, hey, they lock up a really good player there for the future. Yeah, Jalen Smith's journey. I mean, first of all, before I say some of the things about the extension, to, to go from his, all the hype of him at Notre Dame to him tearing his ACL and LCL in the Fiesta Bowl that year, to dropping out to the second round and then missing his entire rookie season, and then this—it's it's definitely great for him and uh, definitely well deserved. I think for the from the Cowboys' perspective, this wasn't something they had to rush. Uh, ESPN's Bill Barnwell pointed out that. They could have had him obviously this next year at 1.3 million and then with a restricted free agent tag around 4.8 million in 2020 instead they'll give him 19 million guaranteed over the next two years to have the option to pay him 50.8 million over the four years after that (laughs) so uh yeah i mean at the end of the day uh, cbs sports patrick walker had a great article kind of breaking down the contract and how it shouldn't impact their ability to re-sign and extend prescott elliott and cooper so at that point I mean, that's kind of the biggest thing that matters. Um, and it you, it is nice to see a player that is uh, around this age getting rewarded before he really needs to be. And not, not every team will do that. Yep. He's now the third highest, uh, third most guaranteed money of uh, any linebacker behind Bobby Wagner and C.J. Mosley. So, yeah, it should uh, – well-deserved and a, a key part of their offense or defense. So it'll be exciting to see what he can do. And uh, hopefully we'll see the other guys extended soon so this whole uh, core can kind of stay together moving forward. Yeah, the Cowboys being proactive. There's something uh, that's uh, maybe not something that, that people kind of relate to them, like because we have been hearing so much about the, the Dak and Zeke stuff. Uh, but they do. They, they get a really good player locked in for a while there. And to wrap up our headlines uh, on certainly a, a more serious note, and uh, we wanted to mention it because uh, he was someone – you know, it really just, uh, man, you think about how good this guy was when he came out of college in Texas and came to the NFL, played for the Bears uh, right away. He had to spend some time with the Bengals and the Packers, and that is, of course, Cedric Benson, uh, the former Texas star who passed away uh, in a tragic motorcycle accident uh, still at such a very young age. Uh, we, we were talking about this, Dylan, before we started recording. I mean, man, he, I, you know, if you're someone that didn't, see how good Cedric Benson was when he was in college at Texas. I mean, he was she was a top five pick in the draft. He just had all the talent in the world, came in right away uh, in the NFL. There were, there were high expectations for him. But all that really doesn't, you know, kind of go into the fact that this was still a very young guy and such a tragedy. Yeah, that's the part about it that's so sad. I mean, like you mentioned, from a football-wise, yeah, a lot, a lot of fans will have memories of him for all the great things he did in the field, primarily in college, and then still a great career in the NFL. But just so sad anytime anyone this young passes away in such a tragic manner. It's, it's just a rough situation, and uh, just definitely wishing his family the best. 
Yep, absolutely. And uh, we did want to mention that because, again, he, he was someone that, like you said, played for several teams. But, uh, man, just you hate to hear those things, uh, and it's just, just not something you want to talk about. But uh, there's no easy segue, but uh, we will go ahead and jump into, uh, like we said earlier, the, the fantasy portion which is going to pretty much be the main theme here as we go throughout this episode. Uh, All about fantasy football. There are people out uh, getting ready for their drafts. Uh, If you've already drafted, uh, we're sorry because we haven't been able to spread our knowledge (laughs) to you. Um, And hopefully you were still able to make some very educated guesses, which I know you were. Uh, But this is all about fantasy football. And so we're going to start off with here... Just looking at the main positions. These are the ones everybody's going to be talking about. These are the ones everybody's going to be debating. And Dylan, we do kind of, you know, start off with the top quarterbacks, the running backs, the wide receivers, the tight ends. Let's start with the quarterbacks. It seems like there's a pretty obvious number one with Patrick Mahomes. Beyond that, uh, maybe there's room for debate on some of these guys. uh, But, you know, you you probably can't go wrong with, with these top five guys either. Yeah, so we put for the top five on our uh, just so instead of we do instead of doing a full you know like rankings, we just want to run through some of our top guys at each position, like Blake was mentioning. So after Mahomes, we have Deshaun Watson, then Aaron Rodgers, Matt Ryan, and then the last one uh, we put in was Baker Mayfield. There's obviously tons of options around this whole uh, around that kind of area of the draft. You're gonna see a drop off. Uh, personally, I'm not someone who rushes to get a QB knowing that you know the top 12 13 guys a lot of the time after the first two or three end up putting up great uh numbers so uh, you can't really go wrong with Cam Newton with things he's able to do running the ball uh Carson Wentz if he stays healthy I mean very well could end up being a top two guy right with Mahomes uh Tom Brady is listed at number 10 on ESPN right now so yeah there's a lot of options uh threw Baker in there Uh, we'll talk about him in a bit um but yeah, not, not really a, a lot of places you can go wrong at quarterback, and that's why they're a little bit uh, under, maybe under not uh, undervalued, but underappreciated sometimes in fantasy. Yeah, there, there's a lot of ways you can go, like you said, and you, you know what you're getting with, with most of these guys, and, and we'll talk more about kind of what the upgrades are for, for some of these quarterbacks, the key positions, uh, as we get throughout. Then the running backs, uh, yeah, I still think there's a clear number one there in Saquon Barkley. Um, you know, some people may make the argument about Christian McCaffrey with the way he can run and catch passes, of course. Um, you know, we, we were laughing, too. You you'll you'll give our our top five here, but this is there's a lot more uncertainty here than than maybe we thought there would be in terms of figuring out that the top four or five running backs uh, going into this season. Yeah, the Ezekiel Elliott holdout obviously plays a role. Uh, Melvin Gordon's as well. So and that in those terms, it's a little more difficult to pinpoint a top five. I, I know a lot of people have David Johnson in the top five. I'll talk a bit more about that. I I have him just outside of mine. I. I just I'll go over my concerns there, but yeah, after Barkley McCaffrey, I list Alvin Kamara, who I have a soft spot for him. I both the last two years had him on my teams. I was able to pull off a pretty good trade for him in 2017. So yeah, I, I think uh, with him, some people think maybe he's going to have more touches with Mark Ingram gone. I, I don't know if he'll necessarily change. I think Sean Payton's going to be smart about his usage, but that shouldn't undervalue him. I still have Zeke in my top five. Uh, I think they'll figure this out some point early in the year um and then i have Le'Veon bell uh, listed up here as well i uh obviously a little more uncertainty with the jets offensive line compared to pittsburgh but i think with their offense we talked about this briefly in one of the last two episodes he's still going to get so many looks and just the sheer one thing in fantasy you can't always predict um 
is how, how guys are going to perform, but you can a lot of times predict how many how much usage guys are going to get. And I think that's one thing with Le'Veon. You, you're you're going to know each week he's going to get 20 to 25 touches, and I think that's part of his value. And I think with a whole year off, it actually might benefit him letting his body heal up um, after you know ha- having so many touches year after year in Pittsburgh. Same thing with Zeke for me. Uh, you know, you know, once he steps on the field, you know what you're getting from him. And and while there's concern there, I will tell you, please don't be the person that just completely ignores Zeke and says, you know what, I'm not going to take him. I'm going to take somebody <laughs> in the tier four, or tier five running back. You'll, re- you'll regret uh, it. <laughs> you absolutely will. I took him. I don't remember. Uh, everything runs together. When he had the suspension, everybody just completely ignored him and was like, basically, oh, okay, well, when he comes back, he's going to be terrible. Absolutely not. Like, you have to take the guy. He's just a star, and he will be back. Again, we talk about the Cowboys. Let me tell you, when Jerry Jones starts seeing a record slide uh, early in that season, he's going to be a little bit more pressed to get Zeke back on the field. They don't like losing there with the Cowboys, in case you didn't know. Um, So my guess is they're going to find a way to make that work. Uh, Wide receivers, Dylan. Our top five we have on the board here, Julio Jones, Odell Beckham Jr., DeAndre Hopkins, Devontae Adams, and Michael Thomas. But I know you've mentioned, you know, maybe throwing in Juju Smith-Schuster or Tyreek Hill uh, there in that latter part of the group. Yeah, I'm super high on Juju. Uh, I think he can kind of put up Antonio Brown-esque numbers with Pittsburgh. I'm not really worried, as I've mentioned on a previous episode, about how uh, he'll adjust to not having as many single coverages with AB being doubled on the opposite side. And I also mentioned Tyreek Hill. I, I mean, there's a great chance he'll end up being the number one receiver by the end of the season. Uh, obviously, there's a lot of off-the-field things that kind of contribute to how people feel about him. But just pure fantasy-wise, he is a guy that doesn't – He's for as small as he looks, he, he's pretty durable and uh, just obviously the, one of the top deep options. It, you know, if you have Mahomes and Tyreek Hill on your team last year, you probably finish in the, at least in the playoffs, if not winning your whole league. Um, great player to have and definitely the one that could crack this top five. I just feel a little more comfortable with the five that we mentioned. I mean, really can't go wrong with a lot of these guys that you – just mentioned uh Devontae Adams a lot of people are super high on him going I think on ESPN uh as their number uh two or three receivers so uh it'll be interesting to see how he performs this year uh Michael Thomas I don't think his high uh, usage rate is going to go down at all I think he's still going to have 110 120 receptions again uh so yeah exciting group and but a lot of great options here at the top here's a question for you because I don't know if we've always thought this but here's what I think would you say that the top five or six wide receivers you trust that group more than you do these top five or six running backs? Mm. <laughs> That's a really See, tough because one. <laughs> I think you know I look at this because there are unknowns. We you mentioned David Johnson; he's someone too that, like I said, we'll talk about later on. But I mean, you know, I don't know. Like I think there is there are concerns there. The Zeke thing, while I you know said what I said, sure, if he's not playing the first couple weeks of the season, uh, you're scrambling around. You don't know what to do. Le'Veon, he's going to get the usage, but how good is the Jets' offense going to be? We don't know that. Whereas you look at these top wide receivers, I, I mean, Julio's going to be a monster. You know, Odell's going to be a monster. DeAndre Hopkins is going to be a monster. Devontae Adams is going to be a monster. Michael Thomas is still going to be a monster. Mm-hmm. I mean, I don't know. Like, again, and this is maybe a discussion beyond just the fantasy aspect of it, but if we're talking about trust, I can make the case that that I, you know, that the top part of this wide receiver group versus the top part of this running back group, I may trust these guys. And, and we haven't always been able to say that with wide receivers. 
Yeah, I mean, with the in, with these top five receivers on top of, you know, they don't have to worry, like you're saying about with running backs, uh, the offensive line is always going to play a huge yeah. role in a guy's performance. Zeke, as great as he is, does benefit from a solid offensive line in Dallas. And from these five receivers we named off, they all have, you know, great quarterbacks throwing to them with Matt Ryan, Baker Mayfield, Deshaun Watson, Aaron Rodgers, and then Drew Brees. So that combination, uh, in terms of fantasy value, maybe the, the top three running backs, I trust those guys maybe just as much. But yeah, yeah one to five, it, probably the receivers are more trustworthy. Now uh, there's maybe more depth at the position, so that's one thing. But um, yeah, can't really go wrong again with any of them. No, and again, look, running backs have more more ways to score. I mean, they can you know have a rushing touchdown, receiving touchdown. We're 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 just going beyond and kind of having some fun with this, you know. Mm-hmm. But it is it's very intriguing because I don't know that we've always been able to say that because it seems like we've always locked in maybe those top seven or eight running backs and said, hey, those guys are absolute locks. I don't know that you can say not that this every year. year. <laughs> yeah, and they trust me, they're not. <laughs> um, yeah, as someone who has lost because of that before, trust me, they are not. So, um, all right, let's move on to the tight ends quickly. Um, we're we're going to talk about my boy Travis Kelsey later, um, but it it's one of these groups where, like we said, I mean, the tight end position is what it is. You kind of know what you're getting. There are probably going to be three, maybe four guys that you completely trust. I think we completely trust Travis Kelsey, completely trust George Kittle, completely trust Zach Ertz. Beyond that, there are some breakout candidates. Uh, we'll talk about one of them in particular. Um, but again, this is a position it seems like you sort of know what you're getting at this point. Yeah, after those top three, like you were mentioning, it gets a little more iffy. I threw in Hunter Henry uh, just because I feel like with the full season of being healthy with Phillip Rivers, he can have a huge year. And then I put Jared Cook, who uh, with the Saints, beyond Michael Thomas, some of the uh, their receiving corps aren't exactly the biggest names. Drew Brees makes it work, uh, as we saw last season. But I think Jared Cook's going to have a huge year in New Orleans, so I, I threw him in at the here. But um I, we'll talk a bit about evan ingram a bit later with the giants and what he can do uh oj howard has a lot of hype around him uh david and joke who was well in, in um cleveland and i think one guy i'll, I'll mention I'll, I'll hold it off for a little bit later but a guy from the afc south another tight end who uh, gets slept on a lot who had a huge season last year so um yeah if you can't get one of the top three guys i wouldn't panic they're from, from like four to ten you know you're gonna have a lot of good options you know maybe every week they're not going to be putting up huge points but they're the kind of guys that by the end of the year they're still going to finish in that top six to seven range of all the tight ends yep for sure there's there's some good options there at the top and if you do get one of those top guys you're you're set because that's something you don't have to worry about because these you know those three we mentioned at the very top those are as close to locks as it gets but as we know with fantasy injuries play a play a role that can change but Mm -hmm. if we're talking about on the field production uh, those three are as close to locks as it gets um all right so we talked about our our top you know five four or five at each of these key positions let's look at breakout candidates because that's something always people want to know you know who are going to be the guys that maybe from an adp standpoint maybe they're being drafted too low guys who we're just not seeing uh, that are going to take the biggest jump Dylan, we start with uh, a place at quarterback where, look, this is one that I don't think is going to surprise anybody because of all the weapons now he has. Uh, We were expecting him to break out from a fantasy perspective. As soon as he steps on the field, we we saw right away that, that he was going to be someone that had a chance to be a very, very good fantasy quarterback but now that he has one of the best receivers in the game um now that he's got you know a head coach that is an offense guy um, who has been there they have that chemistry 
Baker Mayfield's going to have a really big year, isn't he? <laughs> yes, absolutely. I, you know, I'm full. I'm all on the hype train, not just because it's fun to be um, at, for the Browns, but I do actually believe in Baker Mayfield. As you're mentioning with Freddie Freddie Kitchens, um, after he took over play calling duties, Cleveland averaged 3.1 touchdowns per game, which is the fifth most in the league. 70 per, uh, 76% of which were passes, fifth highest. So they're throwing the ball around, and they've only improved with their receiving corps. I, I see Mayfield seeing things better in the field in this year. I mean, he still loves to take chances and will throw some picks, but I think by the end of the year, he's still probably going to surpass 4,000 yards. I could see 30 to 35 touchdowns. Uh, I think he's going to end up right at the top of these fantasy quarterbacks and be here for a long, long time. Yeah, looking at a pair of uh, running backs, and, uh, you know, these are two guys that I'm very intrigued by, I'll tell you, because – well, to start off with Dalvin Cook, because he's someone who uh, we always have concerns when a guy comes back from the type of injury that he had, um, and and keeping him on the field is going to be very important. If you decide to draft this guy high, uh, you're going to want him on the field, of course. But when he's on the field, I, he came back and really played well. And you'll kind of look at his stats a bit, but I think he's someone who could be just as good. And everything's going to depend on Kirk Cousins, you know maybe kind of having that bounce back year that, that most expect him to there with the Vikings, uh, especially with the offensive coordinator change. But another guy, I mean, Aaron Jones. I am as high on Aaron <laughs> Jones as probably as it gets. Um, I just never thought – and Packers fans, this was the one thing you heard all the time. They never thought he was used the way he should have mm-hmm. been used. If he's used the way that he should be used and can stay on the field, same thing with Dalvin Cook – I mean, these two are going to completely be, you know, those guys that can really maybe be the difference in winning your fantasy league and not winning your fantasy league when we talk about going beyond maybe that that very top tier of running backs. Yeah, both guys are great values. A little bit different where they're going. I think Cook is the uh, number, let's see, number 11 running back coming off the board and Jones at 20. So a little bit different uh, disparity in their value. I think with Cook, uh, some some fantasy fans, it was after the most of the championships had ended for fantasy, kind of might have a sour note with the way the Vikings played in Week 17 against the Bears. But Dalvin Cook still in those last three weeks under Kevin Stefanski when he took over as the offensive coordinator calling plays, he scored 16.7 points in PPR per game. So you already saw his role kind of increasing with the new system. I think with Kirk Cousins getting more used to that and with the things that uh, Thielen and Diggs will talk about them a bit more in a bit what they're able to do in terms of opening it up for Dalvin I I think he's going to have a better year I think their offensive line should improve at least a bit I don't think it'll quite be the hopefully for their sake the problem it was last season Um, so definitely high on him as a breakout candidate I I think he can finally live up to some of the hype that was coming when he came out of Florida State and then yeah Aaron Jones as you mentioned if you follow any Packers analysts fans it doesn't matter who it is they're all they're always saying like why aren't we using this guy more and uh, we put down the average 5.5 yards over the last two Two seasons per touch and it, i mean this is a guy that when he's when he stays healthy that was one kind of issue at certain points last year uh he's a great fantasy option i think in matt lafleur's offense we'll probably see him utilize much more um and that's what makes him so exciting to see what he can do uh in 2019 yeah i think there was a joke about you know you'd come out on a different offensive possession last year and you'd see someone in the backfield and before you know anybody could even answer just like Who, who's in the backfield well you know it's not Aaron Jones so it's got to be somebody else and and that was really frustrating you know for, for Packers fans because when he was out there I mean again he's he's got all the potential and, and if they use him the right way he could have a big season um, looking at some of these wide receivers um, th- there are some here and 
And I'll let you mention a couple of these, but I'm going to start with the one that I know is closest to you, and that's Cooper Cup. And he's someone, you talk about winning a fantasy league, uh, boy, the, he was on pace to have just an awesome, awesome season. And I don't know that he's going to take a step back. We, we mentioned the injuries, those coming back from injury like that. There's always going to be concerns when it comes to fantasy, when it comes to uh, just, you know, the Rams in general. There are going to be concerns. But I love Cooper Cup. I think he's someone that can really have a huge season. Uh, there are a couple other wide receivers as well that, that you have your eye on there, Dylan. Yeah, so with Cooper Cup, like you said, uh, keeping his pace from the games he did play last year, he would have had 93 catches for 1,400 yards and 16 touchdowns. Now that probably wouldn't have actually played out completely. But it is noticeable when you see Jared Goff splits with Cup on the field and without. He's he's the one guy that when pressure's coming, he knows he's going to get open, and that's one thing that kind of separates their offense when he's on the field. The other two guys um, that I put on here were Chris Godwin and DJ Moore uh, with DJ Moore, I think he's going to be the clear number one receiver this year. I see his targets going up quite a bit. He's incredible after the catch, 7.7 yards um, after the catch per touch, which was the league best. Uh, He only had two touchdowns. I see that definitely jumping up to at least six, seven, eight, somewhere in there at least. Um, So a great option for him um, where he's going in the draft. And then Chris Godwin, a lot of guys, people have talked about him, was an option in fantasy that – um a lot of people took advantage of last year i think his role will only grow in bruce arian's offense the exciting thing reading about um what they plan to do with him arians compared him to the larry fitzgerald role that he had with the cardinals where they moved fitzgerald to the slot and he kind of took off uh, obviously had already put up together a hall of fame career at that point and c- continued it with a great role there um in terms of actual football i think godwin will be great at blocking and kind of doing things that are a little more of the dirty work in the slot but in terms of fantasy uh, I do see him being a huge player, and, and that offense, no matter what their record ends up being, I think Mike Evans is another guy um, who's not really a sleeper, and he couldn't really fit on this breakout list, but another guy that's going to be in for a huge year, um, and Godwin as well, just because of how much they can do with the ball with Arian's offense. And just to add another note on Cooper Cup, I was reading this actually in, in The Athletic. Jay Glazer, his mailbag he does over there, um, you know, he was answering a question about, you know, guys, people were wondering how in the world is Cooper Cup back so soon after the injury he had. And as Glazer was mentioned, you know, he's wrote about him before, but just talking about how his, you know, his test scores, his coming out of breaks, his agility, his quickness, um, all those tests, the, the timing that they do when you have a player that returns like that, um, they're better than than it, what he had before he tore his ACL. <laughs> so it's like, I mean, my goodness, is this guy is he going to be part of the uh, Marvel universe at some point? I don't know. Like he is, he's superhuman, and and that's something where, boy, I'm really excited about Cooper Cup. So yep. uh, please draft him, draft him. um all right moving on to uh let's see we've got a couple other guys here and i know these are two guys that you've talked about before dylan when it comes to maybe the the breakout potential of these two guys in particular uh that's mark andrews uh with the ravens and david montgomery who we've talked about a lot already uh with the bears yeah mark andrews we're talking about all these tight ends i think you, you should be able to get this guy possibly as your number two tight end. He's the 18th one off the board right now per ESPN, 160 ADP. Uh, I, I, when you read anything about the training camp uh, notes from uh, for the Ravens, uh, his chemistry with Lamar Jackson's been growing a ton, even towards the end of the year with Lamar Jackson, became one of his 
go-to guys. Um, obviously, they're going to not have John Brown anymore, as well as Michael Crabtree. They do have Marquise Brown coming in. I think Willie Sneed's role, we'll talk about him a bit, will increase. But I think Mark Andrews is a great value at that end. Uh, high upside, definitely is a number two tight end off the board for you. He only played 35% of snaps a year ago. That's going to jump tremendously. They have you know Hayden Hurst as well, but they run with two tight ends quite a bit. So great value there. And then, yeah, David Montgomery, no one's sleeping on this guy. I, I just put him on the, the breakout list because I'm, I'm full on the hype train. I can't stop watching his college highlights at Iowa State, um, what he's done <laughs> in some of these games in the preseason. Uh, was, has been compared by a few analysts to Kareem Hunt and Le'Veon Bell, so no pressure there. Um, and yeah, <laughs> coming going ahead of Tariq Cohen on draft boards, but only by a bit. I think he's he's going to partially take over Cohen's role too on passing downs, as we'll talk about in a bit as well on one of these other sections. So yeah, definitely on board for both these guys, and both of them uh, you can get later in the draft. Yep, those are those are the value picks we always talk about that can get you uh, from point A to point B and trying to win a championship. Those are the guys that other people maybe forget about, don't pay enough attention to. Uh, they can be the difference uh, in winning your league and not winning your league. But you mentioned sleepers, and you know we, we just mentioned breakout candidates. Those guys weren't necessarily sleepers, uh, but these guys probably are classified as sleepers in terms of uh, maybe the ones who, who aren't going where they should. Maybe they're being a bit undervalued based on what their role is going to be with their specific team um and so let's run through some of these guys five guys in particular uh we start with Devonte freeman I, I mean you know it's someone where i think as you you know dylan he's just when he's out there he's really good but it's like when he's not out there people sort of forget uh, just how good he can be yeah i think that's the one thing here uh, it's crazy his dominance if you look at his fantasy stats from 2015 through the time he was on the field in 2017 were great uh, in 2015 he was the highest scoring running back in the entire uh, fantasy wise in all the nfl um i think the high volume of rushes he's going to get the goal line will stay uh, stay that way uh, especially considering how much atlanta has struggled punching it in in the end zone uh, over the last uh, season or two um yeah he's a top 10 fantasy score to position when healthy uh, yeah and he's not he's not a guy that is a sleeper in terms of no one knows who he is but i think people are sleeping on his value if he's healthy um that's the one thing obviously to hold on to here though well we go from him to someone that i had to make sure was on this list and uh we talked about him a little bit earlier when we mentioned our, our top five you know players at, at certain positions I think this guy is going to be a top five player at his position, and that's Hunter Henry, who before he had the torn ACL, and, man, that's kind of the theme here. We're talking about how great guys are going to be after torn ACLs. We didn't used to do that. Um, There used to be a lot more concern, and there is still going to be concern, as with any of these types of injuries. But great chemistry with Phillip Rivers. Uh, He's the guy for them now at that position. I just I think Hunter Henry is going to have a magnificent season. Um, he's someone we said beyond those top three seemingly surefire uh, tight ends with Kelsey, uh, Kittle, and Ertz. I mean, you can you can throw him right behind that group to me, and I wouldn't have a problem with that at all because uh, in in a high volume offense like that where he's going to see a lot of targets, probably um, he could have a big season. Yeah, he's going number seven off the board among tight ends right now. But I, I, yeah, as you mentioned, I could see him being fitting right into the, that top three. The chemistry he had with Rivers and some of the things he did in 2017 were spectacular. The ACL compared to Cooper Cup, like we're mentioning on the timing, he got he had that injury in training camp last year, so a little more time to heal. I mean, he even did return and was suited up for their playoff loss to the Patriots. So I mean, he was he was already getting close to uh, coming back at that point. 
So, I, yeah, don't really have any concern about what he's going to be able to do on the field. I, you know, again, another guy that people know the name, but I just think his value is probably a little higher than um, than he's being picked at right now. Yeah, he's he's got breakout potential. Uh, he can be that sleeper guy that, again, at a position like tight end where maybe there's a little more unknowns beyond that that top part of the group, uh, he can he can turn into a star, and, and we've seen that potential with him before. Um, another guy who's shown potential, and we, we we keep going back to this offense, and it seems like we, we just keep going back to this offense as much as we possibly can because we think there's going to be Kind of a turning point, but yet it's still an offense, as we know, that has one of the best quarterbacks uh, in the NFL, and that is the Packers. And this guy in particular, with Marquez Valdez-Scantling, he showed the potential last year. He was kind of a hot, you know, waiver wire pickup for people uh, at one point during the season when he, when he had, you know, those stretches where he seemed like he could be sort of that go-to guy for, for Aaron Rodgers, aside from Devontae Adams. Uh, no Randall Cobb there anymore. Uh, we know kind of what we're getting, I guess, with Geronimo Allison. That There's a lot of intrigue uh, with Valdez-Scantling here to me. Yeah, we'll get into a section in a bit. I think he kind of ties into this one as well as that about there being a correlation between, you know, QB performance and wide receiver tight end performance. It seems very obvious, but you'll see these discrepancies in where a quarterback like Aaron Rodgers goes and then his targets. Uh, Someone has to fill up the yards. It's not going to be all Devontae Adams. So who's going to be the number two for the Packers? Right now, Geronimo Allison's going just ahead of Marquez uh, Valdez-Scantling. He's uh, going 52nd among receivers, 148 off the board on ESPN. Uh, I think just a tremendous value. And like you mentioned, uh, you you saw those flashes of what he can really perform how he can perform uh nothing but good things to say about him from rogers so far in training camp i think yeah that's the kind of guy that you're later in your draft and you're, you're filling out your bench and you've already got some good guys and you're you know maybe you're not sure about your third receiver he's a he's a dude that could by the end of the year end up being a number two fantasy wise well and here's let's let's it's important to make this note too is we don't overthink this when it comes to those late rounds <laughs> and you're, you're trying to fill out your roster you want to try to find guys that you know are going to be in offenses that are really, really good. And I think the expectation is that, yes, we don't know exactly how things are going to work out uh, You know, with, with Matt LaFleur's offense right away. We don't, we don't know that. But we do know that Aaron Rodgers is under center. And as long as Aaron Rodgers is under center, the Packers are going to have a chance to have a really, really good offense. So when you have a guy like this who's being talked up like, like Valdez Scaling is here in the preseason – you take advantage of that. And you know what? If he's a miss, then he's a miss, but you can only go on what you have. Mm-hmm. And what we saw from him last year and knowing that he's going to be in an offense that passes the ball a lot, um, that to me makes him a very intriguing target, like you said, uh, in those in those later rounds and just having an opportunity uh, to have someone like that. Another, again, and this is perfect correlation. What, what a segue here, and I didn't <laughs> even look at it. So this is a perfect segue into an offense that's going to score a lot of points. <laughs> And that is Latavius Murray, who is now with the Saints. Uh, Mark Ingram's gone. We know Alvin Kamara is still there. But you know what? Latavius Murray steps right into a big role on an offense that's going to score points. So is Darwin Thompson, who steps into that same spot with the Chiefs. Um, A rookie who is being talked up a lot as well. Um, Again, two guys here in their different scenarios, but two guys that are stepping into offenses that are probably going to be among the top five in the NFL. Yeah, I think we forget how great Latavius Murray was in Oakland when they had their offensive line healthy and at its uh, top of peak performance in 2016. Uh, the Vikings have did not have a great offensive line. The Saints do have a great offensive line. So that's very simple right there. And I 
as I mentioned before, I don't think the Saints are going to, with Ingram gone, start to really pile on the uh, touches for Kamara anymore. I th- he already gets the ball quite a bit. They're not going to try to run him into the ground before the postseason. This is a team that expects to make the Super Bowl or at least win the NFC South. Um, and yeah, they've talked about Latavius Murray taking on that role. I don't think it'll be an issue for him. And yeah, where he's going right now, 39th among running backs, 125th overall. I think another solid value. I think by the end of the year, he's going to definitely exceed some of the projections on ESPN, maybe not by a ton. But again, at the like as Blake has mentioned, in fantasy, everyone's going to have great players. But it comes down to a lot of the time getting these guys and certain picks and with pickups that their value you're, you're just getting value picks you're, you're getting guys higher value than what they're really valued by everyone else and that can be the difference and i think latavius murray fits in there yeah darwin thompson i mean in terms of high upside uh, if if damien williams uh it's god forbid got hurt uh i i mean he goes from he right now he's 168th off the board on espn uh 56th running back this is a guy that easily could become the number one uh running back in kansas city i still think regardless of uh what williams does he's going to have a big role with his speed and kind of a change of pace um back uh we talked about uh Carlos Hyde we'll talk about that a bit more later he potentially not even making the roster now so Darwin Thompson has really uh, impressed their coaching staff and front office and I I think another guy that you know like you said don't overthink it look at the great offenses and players that have a chance to have a role in them especially with these picks later in the draft um and the, yeah and the Chiefs throw to their running backs a ton they put them in great positions to succeed and with his speed I don't think it'll be an issue for him to have a solid fantasy year by the end of it yeah, and then, of course, next week we'll turn right around and say, well, Andy Reid's talked about how he's not going to have a role in the offense. Because <laughs> last week all we talked about was how Andy Reid was talking up to Carlos Hyde, and then you saw the report, I think it was The Athletic, that, that thought, you know, maybe Carlos Hyde doesn't even make this roster. And so, uh, but no, again, they are options. And they are options uh, and good offenses, and those are ones you want to have when you're looking at potential sleepers. Now, we've been really nice to this point. Uh, however, we're going to have to be a little bit more mean now because we're going to have to unfortunately uh, talk about the guys who maybe are being a little bit overhyped as the potential sleeper guys. These aren't the guys at the very top of the draft, but these are guys that everyone's saying you have to draft them because they are the sleeper picks. However, when you look at the numbers, they could be a little overhyped. Uh, Dylan, we start in Washington where um, injuries have really just sort of, uh, I mean, that it has just really been a hit for the Redskins as we know. And, uh, I don't know. Now we have a situation where there's a running back everybody wants to talk about. Uh, but man, I, I don't know what to do here. And, uh, I'm just going to let you take this one because I don't know the, the Redskins are a team fantasy wise that I don't know that I want any part of at this point. Yeah. I don't know if it matters what position exactly, like you're mentioning, there's always yeah. a question with a team like them. Um, and some of the things they've done on offense. But yeah, Darius Guy is definitely coming off his ACL injury that cost him his whole rookie year. Still hasn't, I don't believe he's been cleared yet. Um, so that's another issue. Um, obviously, Adrian that's Peterson. Yeah, we'll talk about Adrian Peterson a bit on another one of these lists, but another guy that I think is still going to rack up quite a few carries. They have Chris Thompson out of the backfield, PPR-wise. Um, and a lot of people know is a great asset catching the ball. So yeah, ideally they'd have guys in there, but uh, we've talked about the Redskins. Like if they're really going to actually, you know, compete for a playoff spot or what's the risk now of putting a guy out there that's not completely healthy so yeah fantasy wise i yeah people are he's been named on some lists as a sleeper because you know he's his, his values uh, dropped off in terms of adp because of the injuries and all these things but i do think it's warranted in this case unfortunately and i hope he has a great year I'll, i guess i'll say that for all these uh, people that we have on these uh, sleepers that we're not exactly fond of i hope they all prove us wrong but uh yeah with darius guys probably one i'm going to be staying away from 
Yeah, and uh, it sort of goes with this next guy um, in that we have the concerns about the Redskins because we don't know what the quarterback situation looks like. Uh, We don't know exactly what their injury situation is. And then with the Texans, uh, we've talked about Bill O'Brien's offense um, ad nauseum at this point and, and our issues with it maybe going into this season. Um, and that's why Will Fuller is on this list because, I don't know, I mean, he was someone last year, like we said, he, he showcased his potential. We know what he can do, uh, but you know what DeAndre Hopkins is going to garner in terms of targets. That that does make Will Fuller maybe a tricky pick uh, in terms of, again, maybe based on where he's going right now. Yeah, he's a popular uh, uh, sleeper pick on a lot of uh, articles you'll see in different talking points because of his ADP not being incredibly high. But um, as as you're starting to mention, some of the issues with the offensive line, things we have concerns with their offense in general. I think, and you did see like flashes of what he can be when he's on the field. I'm just not sold that he's really above his ADP. Maybe he's if if he's around the uh, 78th off the board, I'd consider it, but. I'm not thinking of him as a sleeper that I'm going to, you know, be at six uh, pick like 65, 66, wherever it is, maybe like 10, 12 above his uh, estimated average. And I'm going to make a jump and think like, all right, this guy's going to really hit. I'm just not sold on that. Um, I think the injury part is my biggest concern because when he is on the field, he did look explosive with Hopkins or with uh, Watson. They had great chemistry. But uh, yeah, with this list, you got to you got to find somebody. And uh, (laughs) just another one that we picked out here. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah, and the Texans are uh, they're they're not that that Chiefs uh, Saints you know Packers that they're not those when it comes to the offensive production even though they do have Deshaun Watson and they do have DeAndre Hopkins there there are still unknowns because I think of the offense that they have in place and so that that makes them aside from probably those two guys um, even like Lamar Miller and Duke Johnson's there now you know we've talked about Kiki Kuti I mean he's someone too mm-hmm. there's a lot of you know possibilities i guess in that offense but they're aside from those top two i don't think there's really anybody you can look at and say i've got to have that guy and that's what concerns me too uh, when we talk about you know will fuller's situation with the injury as well uh, that's something to keep in mind this this next one's gonna hurt me like it's gonna hurt me because I, i've gone back and forth on this guy many times to this point and he's i would say he's among the top three players probably I have changed my mind on the most in this preseason <laughs> um, because I just don't know what to do with this guy. I don't know whether to draft him. I don't know whether uh, to just ignore him, and I have no idea. But he is among probably the one that's going to be asked about the most. We mentioned him just a few minutes ago when talking about Darwin Thompson and the Chiefs, and this one is who we're talking about now, of course, is Damian Williams. Um, he's going at a very high spot. However, It's something where we still don't maybe have that full entire body of work that we would lean on and say we completely trust this guy, even though he is in one of these offenses we've mentioned as being among the best, if not the best, in the NFL. He is, I mean, I say top three. He may be the hardest player to place for me, Dylan, because I just don't know what to do with this guy. Um, I feel like if I take him, He's going to flame out. We're going to have Darwin Thompson being the go-to guy, you know, come week eight. If I if I don't take Damian Williams, he's going to have the job the entire season, and he's going to, you know, put up a Priest Holmes-like year, and uh, it's all going to be over for me fantasy-wise. 
it feels like that seems to happen quite often to a lot of fantasy owners so you're not alone there <laughs> but i think his, his value since we even put uh, the stats in here is kind of um his live draft trend on espn he's he's dropped to the 21st running back and 54th off the board so maybe people are kind of jumping on um this idea that he's not as uh should be as high up as he was originally on draft boards um I still, I still think there's a chance he'll end up being, you know, a top 10, 15 running back. But I, as I just talked about, I, I, I'm really on the Darwin Thompson train, especially where his value is from a fantasy, fantasy perspective. I just think there's some more guys kind of in this range that I would rely on more that I, uh, proving guys that, you know, you, you know what you're going to get for sure. So that's, that's kind of why, where he fits in on this list. It's just where he stacks up against my, uh, uh, confidence factor is kind of what played into this uh, call right here. Yeah, he's he's one. We'll try to give you a better answer next week. We'll, we're just going to have a, a Damian Williams section each week so to make people more confident in where uh, he's going to be this season because uh, he's going to be one I think we talk about a lot uh, based on his situation. All right, let's wrap up this part here with, with the overhyped sleepers. And, and I'll say this is one of those guys, too, last season that burned me because I picked him up and it was like, time after time i'm just waiting i'm waiting i'm waiting i'm waiting and everybody said this guy he's the guy he's gonna be the guy that you have to have he's the breakout wide receiver it didn't really happen last year and i still think people believe now that there's a a different sort of quarterback situation with this team this season that maybe it changes but again it goes back to not having that that body of work that consistent uh body of work to lean on I don't know about Cortland Sutton, um, and and he's someone you know. We mentioned Emmanuel Sanders; he's getting back in the mix, but he's coming off a you know a bad injury as well. Cortland Sutton, I mean Sutton, he he can have that breakout season, but I, I think it's more of those one of those Dylan where I've got to see it maybe before I'm going to feel trust you know put trust in a guy like this. Yeah, I think he sums up this section well. It's all it was kind of on the hype thing. It's over like very hyped up as a guy that's under the radar that's going to put up big numbers. Um, we, if you listen to our AFC episode, you know that I am not confident in what Joe Flacco is going to do this year. So that already kind of puts him down a peg for me. But when I look at where he matches up against Emmanuel Sanders, uh, even Noah Fant as a tight end option, and then really Deshaun Hamilton, um, who's going much, much later in the draft, I just think there's a lot of value in those guys compared to where Sutton's going. I think he's just too far up uh, draft boards people are really just buying into the idea of seeing something before they are believing something before they see it as you mentioned i would also feel comfortable uh seeing him perform well before i'd uh buy in i just i think there's a chance deshaun hamilton who's going so much later i'm trying to pull it up here yeah he's going 169th on uh on espn 67th receiver off draft boards i think there's a chance he's going to end up uh, with more receiving yards by the end of the year than uh sutton so uh, I just don't have the confidence factor here at all for where he's going picked right now. Yeah, confidence is important when when you get to those types of picks. Uh, you know, when your draft, when it's beyond those surefire locks, and and I don't know, there there are some confidence issues here with him, and he's one I would probably stay away from at least at this point because we don't really know how that offense is going to look even with the new quarterback situation. All right, we transition that to what really could be um one of those that that maybe isn't talked about enough dylan i'm gonna let you explain this concept here but these are the players when we talk about quarterbacks wide receivers tight ends who who play with guys who are very high when we're looking at adp uh, where they're drafted however they're they're sort of undervalued as individuals and i'll let you explain it more but these could be sort of those guys uh, that you look at and say 
maybe I need to think a little bit more uh, about taking this guy and where exactly that I'm going to take this guy. Yeah, I touched on the concept briefly with uh, Marquez Valdez-Scantling, the idea that there's these undervalued guys just based on the correlation of where they're getting picked relative to their receivers or tight ends if it's a quarterback or vice versa you're gonna if if you have a top performing quarterback just by sheer chance you're gonna also have a top performing uh, receiving corps at least at the top we've seen this a number of times jared goff's one guy in the past where you'd see robert woods and cooks end up higher and then uh, jared goff wasn't going until later on the board he ends up as the seventh uh, highest fantasy scoring quarterback in 2018 even last year with ross roethlisberger you have antonio brown and juju smith schuster going fifth and eighth big ben ends up as the third highest uh scoring um quarterback last year in fantasy football so it's a it's a phenomenon that uh the ringers jackson saffon and this great article touched on i thought it was a really great point that he made about uh that really helped me with my, when i'm going to go through these drafts looking at guys in a different way in terms of all right what is what does uh one guy's value mean relative to the people he's throwing to and vice versa um going on to the list i'll start with Kirk cousins he's the 20th quarterback off the board which, uh, see, I mean, maybe from relative to where you think he is talent-wise, could fit into if he's the 20th best QB somewhere, maybe even a little higher than that in all of football. But uh, obviously, if Stefan Diggs and Adam Thielen continue to put up the fantasy numbers that they have, and I, I don't see any reason they won't again, it's a guy that is pretty undervalued for his spot. You might be able to get him as your number two quarterback. I think he's a great option to have as your backup uh, and even uh, start quite a bit. I think he could end up much, much higher than being uh, where his ADP is at, as the 20th QB off the board, given his targets. Well, here's what I'll say, too, and you just brought up a really good point. Don't remember that, that fantasy football is a math game. Like it is about points and it's about having the most points. So just because everyone hates Kirk Cousins doesn't mean that you don't draft him because like you said, he does have guys that, that he can throw to. He has a running back that can have a, a breakout season in Dalvin Cook. Um, so he's naturally going to be correlated with the points those guys get in a lot of cases. Uh, so don't don't let the national perception of some of these guys, okay, Kirk Cousins hasn't, you know, he's not a playoff guy. Okay, great. But you know what? For fantasy, I just need him to score points every week. I need him to put up some numbers. Like I, you know, and that's what you have to look at when you're fantasy. You have to kind of separate the, those two instances uh, if you want to be successful in fantasy. So just keep that in mind. As Cousins could really have a big year, and you mentioned the other guys uh, as well. Certainly Jared Goff. Uh, we know what he's capable of there. All right, back to being more nice as well. We're going to go with the guys uh, who are maybe being underrated in terms of where they're being drafted right now. Um, these are the guys, again, that can win you your league because they're not being taken where they should be. They're taken a lot lower than what their value could potentially be. And I think it's only natural, Dylan, that we start with Chris Carson because we've talked about him before here on the podcast as well. I, you know, the Seahawks are, are they're going to run the ball. Uh, we know that. And we keep yelling about the Seahawks needing to throw the damn ball more. Uh, we did that <laughs> last week. Throw the ball more. That's all we say. Uh, but you know what? If Chris Carson can get involved in that, if they, you know, Brian Schottenheimer, he promises they're going to get their running backs more involved in the passing game. If that happens, Chris Carson is a lock to have a huge season because we know he's going to get the touches on the ground. Yeah, like you mentioned, as much as we want them to throw, they still run more than any other team. Um, I, I don't see any reason that he's going to end up as the 19th highest running back where he's, his current ADP is. I think he's going to be much higher. Um, I, yeah, he's just a great value for where he, what he is. I, 
you know, maybe it's partially because people think Rashad Penny is going to kind of have a bigger role. But another case of I'm not going to believe it until I see it. Chris Carson continues to perform well, cont- uh, continues to outperform Rashad Penny, whether it be running the ball and or pass uh, catching passes. And yeah, that, that it only increases his PPR value if uh, Schottenheimer's uh, keeping his word by actually throwing the ball to running backs more often. So yeah, ADP wise, a great value. Definitely think um, if, if he even if he drops even a little bit below his ADP in your draft, then you're really getting a good guy at that spot. Yeah, he's he's a good one. I, he's someone I would really keep my eye on. He'd be on my short list just to to know that if he keeps sliding down in your your league and your draft, uh, I would I would scoop him up uh, when he gets to that point because he he could have a big season. A couple of other running backs, uh, Gus Edwards, Adrian Adrian Peterson. Um, you know, those two guys potentially, we saw what Gus Edwards could do last year. He sort of, uh, you know, became that breakout player. You know, we mentioned with, with the Ravens last year, became a big part of their offense. Um, Adrian Peterson, of course, you know, we talk about the, the issues with Darius Geis and, and not knowing what that situation is going to look like. Adrian Peterson, it feels like he's been playing forever, but uh, he could have a, another strong workload this season. Yeah, last year I touched on it with Adrian Peterson. He had the fifth most carries for the eighth most yards in all of football last year, which is <laughs> nuts, going over a thousand yards again. And yeah, he's still he's going fifty first among running backs. Um, I another value that I think is going to be great. And then Gus Edwards. Uh, as much as the Ravens, we talk about them having to adjust their offense a bit to some of the things teams did it to them at the end of the season, try, kind of figuring out their rushing game, they're still going to run the ball a ton. And, it, you know, if they really do want to limit how many times Lamar Jackson gets hit, that means they're going to be handing it off. And I think Gus Edwards, I when I tried to look up his ADP this morning, it, I couldn't. he wasn't even listed on ESPN's guy. I had to, like, go to another site and find out that he's the 67th running back off the board. I yeah, if you're if you're getting Gus Edwards to just fill out your roster, I, I mean, he's a guy that could end up being a rota- regular rotation person for you. I I was shocked to see that. I, I don't know, uh, Baltz, maybe uh, people are not trusting their offense and what they're able to do, but they still have a great offensive line. They're still going to run the ball a ton, and I think Gus Edwards is going to still be uh, probably the number one guy. I mean, we'll see what Mark Ingram does, but I don't I don't think his uh, addition to the team uh, is going to completely make Edwards' role go away, especially to the point where his ADP is right now. Yeah, we've got a couple wide receivers on the list, too. And, um, you know, Dylan, one of these guys is in a different situation. He's finally maybe in a more, uh, you know, a better situation in terms of being able to play off uh, of certain guys, be in a better role in the offense, um, you know, knowing what's around him. And then you've got another guy uh, who's going to make his return to the league, but he's going to be playing with, uh, you know, potentially the, the best quarterback to ever play the game. So uh, these two guys could be intriguing as well. Yeah, so Jamison Crowder, the first one with the Jets. I, I, there's a lot of reports about his chemistry growing with Sam Darnold. I think Sam Darnold's a guy that another uh, good option is the number two QB um, in fantasy. I think he's going to have a much better year. But yeah, right, right now the the value play has to be Jamison Crowder for the Jets if you're finding a receiver. Robbie Anderson's much higher, whereas Crowder's going as the 49th receiver off the board with a 141 ADP. I think PPR-wise, he's going to have qu- quite a few targets, quite a few receptions in the slot. Um, and I think he's going to kind of be that safety net guy on some of the things the Jets want to do in Adam Gase's offense. Adam Gase loves to throw these shorter passes. I think Crowder's perfect in that, um, fitting that role. So, uh, yeah, another uh, this is one guy that maybe doesn't fit what we talked about in terms of finding an offense that you're very confident in, like the Chiefs Saints, but someone who's undervalued. And then the second guy, yeah, Josh Gordon. Um, I heard on a uh, the Ringer podcast this morning that he's going undrafted in 10-team leagues completely. And then, as uh, you know, a last pick, um 
and 12 team leagues i think you know when he's on the field yeah it's the guy that you know if you if you pick him you can drop him later if he doesn't you know if he has another issue gets suspended whatever it is but i think he's someone that very easily can put up you know huge numbers with tom brady i uh for a team that as much as i you know the receiving corps initially looked like they might need to fill out they're starting to look quite beastly again and i i don't think i think he has a role there i you know maybe he's not going to be their number one option all the time but um, for someone who you could get with your last pick, I don't think there's any uh, shame in doing that. I think Josh Gordon, you know, someone that you could stash. And, uh, you know, if you do see him on the wire at a certain point, uh, another person you could pick up for sure. Yeah, if he's sitting there and no one else has taken him that late, uh, he is absolutely worth uh, keeping an eye on. Because, again, those are probably the players that aren't going to, uh, you know, be the ones that you're relying on most. But yet if they break out, uh, they can be the difference for you. Because uh, And he's someone, again, playing in the offense he plays in, knowing what he can do when he's on the field. Uh, Josh Gordon could certainly uh, be a guy that's very underrated right now uh, based on where he's being drafted. Back to being mean, and that is uh, the most overrated players uh, that, uh, and again, we're going to, and this will be more evident than ever when we talk about this first player on our list, because it's all about where maybe they're being drafted, not necessarily their skill set. We're not saying they're overrated as players, yet they are maybe being a little bit overvalued in terms of where they're being drafted. All right, Dylan, we were waiting for this. This is what the whole episode is centered around. <laughs> This is your golden hot take right here. Who is the number one player when we talk about the most overrated players based on ADP right now? Based on ADP, I, I did touch on how I have a tendency to wait on quarterbacks. To <laughs> I, I tend to you know draft guys in that like eight to twelve range just because I, I really want to load up at the other positions that are more uh, premier value wise. This is only value centric, as Blake set up. I'm going with Patrick Mahomes just because uh, oh, he's. We just lost the Chiefs fan base. They're all gone. That's he's going. It. He's going 19th overall. Um, the number two quarterback, Deshaun Watson, going off boards at ESPN is 41.5. I just think in that range, especially if you're in a 10-team league, that's the difference between getting two more really solid uh, position players at running back or receiver that can fill out your roster. I don't think you're going to see a huge drop off in. Uh, this is a bigger conversation just about the value of quarterbacks in fantasy. As most experienced players know, um, it's not compared to running backs and receivers. It's just there's just the it's more saturated, I guess, is the way to put it um, at the position. I mean, if you look at the projections in terms of how many total points Mahomes is going to have versus, you know, Deshaun Watson, Rodgers, Matt Ryan, it's not so dramatic to see this giant jump. I mean, you go down to Rodgers and he, he's being drafted at 49th overall, Matt Ryan at 56th. Um, and then you get to some of the other quarterbacks and that that range that I usually go in the 8 to 12 range. Those guys are going from 80 to, you know, 110. And that includes Russell Wilson, who I think is someone who with, uh, you know, if they threw the ball more, he's probably a top five guy. Uh, he has the talent for it. And with the way he runs the ball, I, I just I, it's based on value. I I would love yeah. to have Mahomes on my team if he dropped to you know 25 30 like even just a few picks after his adp i'd be tempted absolutely i just think based on where he is compared to some of these other quarterbacks it's a it just his value or where he's getting picked is over what i think his adp really should be and we've got another player from that division in this group we mentioned him a little earlier and that's emmanuel sanders uh again i think that is knowing knowing that he's very talented yet knowing that he is coming off of an injury uh that is certainly something when you talk about wide receivers um an achilles injury can be a little concerning um but yet i think this is all about too dylan when we talk about where he's being drafted right now 
Yeah, Emmanuel Sanders, I, he, he did look promising with some of the plays he had in their, their preseason game against the 49ers on Monday night. Uh, I, he's a great a great guy to have in your team. I, I just I don't trust with the injuries, and I, I think his value, again, is just a little too high. This goes back into my whole opinion about Joe Flacco and my just lack of faith in Denver's offense uh, overall. I, I'd love to have Emmanuel Sanders, a healthy Emmanuel Sanders on my roster with a better quarterback, but where he's going right now, um in the top 40 among receivers i just would rather go for some guys on teams where i have uh, better uh, confidence in like dante pettis in san francisco curtis Samuel with the uh, panthers all these guys are going behind him even deshaun jackson in philadelphia i i will you know i hope he has a great year again with all these guys that we're mentioning on these uh, kind of negative parts of our fantasy preview but um yeah definitely gonna you know if emmanuel sanders is sitting there around that time i'll let someone else in my league take him yeah, we transition from that um, because that that could be something too. Where it's all about volume with fantasy, you know, it's it's about having uh, touches and targets. You can't score if you don't have the ball, and so uh, that's where we look at this next group. And we have two two different sort of situations here. Uh, looking at the players who maybe are going to gain the most targets and touches going into the season, and the players who are going to lose the most targets and touches going into the season. Dylan, we've got three on each list here. Uh, when you run through maybe the the players that are going to gain the most uh which three players are you looking at in terms of guys who are certainly going to at least you know get that up uh, from the volume standpoint they're going to have a chance to, to maybe get more opportunities and that can make them a lot more valuable in fantasy yeah the three i put down were tyler lockett from the seahawks chris godwin we talked about him a bit with the bucks and then evan ingram with the giants yeah with tyler lockett i i Really hope they throw the ball more. I think with Doug Baldwin <laughs> retiring, though, um, him only having 71 targets despite being 16th in all of PPR, he didn't have a ton of receptions. He was a guy that was obviously getting a, a lot more yards per reception. I think his value is still higher in standard than PPR and half PPR, but I think he's going to get more looks. And I'm really excited for what he can do uh, running out of the slot. I think he his uh, number of targets is going to maybe not jump to twice as many but i think it's going to jump by quite a bit chris godwin i think with deshaun jackson and then especially adam humphreys leaving the slot and godwin kind of sliding in there i think in bruce arian's offense he's going to see the ball a lot more i think he's a very exciting guy as we already mentioned and then evan ingram uh the giants receiving corps are decimated at the moment with injuries with sterling uh, shepherd out and then you got golden tate with his suspension obviously odell's gone uh, i think ingram there's a reason that even though i didn't list him on my top five tight ends there's a reason he's the number four tight end on espn uh, adp wise i do think his uh number of looks is going to jump dramatically he's had three touchdowns last year i think he'll be a huge red zone target and i uh, yeah i wouldn't be mad if i end up getting him right in that same range yeah, and then the guys who are going to lose the most targets, maybe touches going into the season. And and these are three guys we talked about a lot last year, and Todd Gurley, Jarvis Landry, Tariq Cohen. We've mentioned our concerns with all three of those guys, I think, thus far in the first couple episodes of this podcast. Um, different situations for all three, uh, and I think with Gurley and Cohen – you know, the injury situation with Gurley is something that uh, we know he's not going to get the workload he got several years ago. Uh, with Cohen, we've mentioned David Montgomery, possibly, you know, his his role now in the offense, having expanded role, uh, could certainly take down Cohen's touches. And then Jarvis Landry, knowing that OBJ's there now, who knows exactly what what his workload is going to look like. He'll still be a valuable part of that Browns offense, but we don't know exactly, uh, maybe in terms of his targets, uh, what that's going to look like. Yeah, looking at some mock drafts, there might even be an overreaction to how many 
uh, touches Gurley's going to lose. I do. I we put him here because the Rams have made it clear they're going to manage his workload throughout the year. I just don't think he's going to possibly come close to that twenty to twenty-five touches per game look that he's had the last two years in Sean McVay's offense and even uh, before that with Jeff Fisher. But uh, there's some drafts right now. His ADP is still uh, at nine point five. But there's some drafts where he's dropped to the third round. If you can get him in the third round, go for it. But I, I still think with his touches dropping, he it makes this list. Yeah, Jarvis Landry with the uh, Browns. Uh, Jar- this is mostly because his target share at 27% of all snaps over the last four years going back to his time in Miami. It's just so high. It's it, There's almost no way it doesn't go down with uh, Odell coming in, obviously Nick Chubb's ascension, and then some great uh, receiving options. Rashard Higgins has looked great in training or in uh, preseason games, and in Joku, we all you know it's another kind of buzz name on fantasy wise that uh, you know everyone wants him to break out at some point. I, yeah, but yeah, anyway, Jarvis Landry will definitely see I think less looks just by default, and then Tariq Cohen. Uh, he was already splitting, you know, looks with Jordan Howard before, but it sounds like David Montgomery is going to surpass the Jordan Howard role and kind of be their number one guy with Tariq Cohen kind of sliding back a bit. So um, maybe he'll see the ball, um, you know, on some of these situational downs, but I don't think uh, it's going to be quite at the same clip as 2018. Yeah, I don't either. He's someone to certainly... We have our concerns with, uh, and speaking of concerns, we're going to wrap up the fantasy section here with what I thought is going to be uh, something that that people can have some fun with, and it's we always look back each fantasy season. There's someone we look back and say, why on earth did I draft that guy? What was I ever thinking? And then there are other guys where we look back and say, how did I let him slip, you know, 53 spots after uh, where I should have drafted him, whatever. Um, But there are always regrets you have with fantasy football. And, Dylan, that's where we wrap up with uh, the one player you're going to regret drafting and the one player you're going to regret not drafting. Let's start with the ones you're going to regret drafting first. Uh, I'm sure I'm going to go on a rant with mine, so I'll let you start with yours. We've kind of mentioned him a little bit. Uh, he's been that guy who's gone from you know fantasy darling uh, to someone who maybe has been a little disappointing for people the past couple seasons, yet he's still being projected uh, as a top 10 pick at this point. Yeah, I got David Johnson for the one I'm going to regret drafting. He's kind of a guy that at a certain point it is hard for you to pass on him given the projections and what he is capable of. I I just – their offensive line just concerns me so much. Sure, he's going to see the ball more in Kingsbury's offense, and he's hopefully, you know, if everything works out, going to set up looks for him that really allow him to succeed. And I I just don't have the same confidence. I would just rather go for a receiver that's in that same kind of ballpark or even some of the running backs are a bit lower, like um, I'll mention him on the the regret not drafting in a second. So, yeah, David Johnson for me, I if I do take him and and he ends up not having the best fantasy year, I'm going to tell myself, you know, you saw this coming. (laughs) (laughs) Well, we go from David Johnson, who uh, has won me fantasy leagues before, to a guy that has won me fantasy leagues before as well and (laughs) i do not think this is going to be the year that he's going to do that and we've mentioned him many many times at this point he leads the establish the past podcast in name mentions uh he holds the record right now and he we're going to give him another mention now because it's antonio brown I have no idea how you could possibly trust this guy. I don't know how you can rely on him. Um, and, you know, if, if we've gotten to the point to where we are now with the drama, and it is about the drama. It's not about his talent. He's one of the most talented players in the game. We know that. 
It's about not ever knowing exactly what you're going to get week to week because what we've seen thus far, we knew before. There, there were probably going to be situations. Uh, there were going to be headlines. Something was going to happen. We expected it. But I am just at the point now with him, Dylan, where I just I have no idea what to do in terms of if he's sitting there and, you know, because he's not being drafted as high as, as he usually mm-hmm. is. I mean, he's not to the point to where he was with the Steelers. But he's still being drafted really high. And, oh, you talk about risk and reward. That's what fantasy football is about. I think that there may not be a riskier player on the board than Antonio Brown. Yeah, yeah. like you're saying, though, uh, you're going to see him at 20th on these uh, ADP, uh, the eighth receiver off the board. If you see him there, say you're in a 10-team league and you got the 20th pick, it's going to be real hard to pass on him because you're going to be looking and thinking like, man, this is Antonio Brown. This is a guy that could end up being the you know number one, two, or three receiver in all of fantasy. Um, but yeah, no, I have to agree with your point. He's the kind of guy that you could end up regret drafting. Um, I, you know, and you look at, again, always in these situations, you look at the other guys around there and you look at Mike Evans and Keenan Allen and maybe they're a little more reliable. Yeah, well, Antonio Brown does have the track record. I love the track record. I love to have somebody who's proven it before. Um, but I also, in the back of my mind, is sitting there thinking he's going to get out there, you know, on a third and eleven, and Derek Carr is not going to look at him, and uh, Antonio Brown is going to walk off the field. He's going to throw his helmet, and he's gone. Like you know, it's just I, I don't know. And so that's a problem that 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 worries me. And, and you know, that's I, you know this this preseason stuff has not helped that at all because it's it's added another layer. And so, uh, I don't know. I, I, again, I may draft him, but that's what we're talking about. He may be that guy I regret drafting mm-hmm. uh, in that spot. So, uh, then for the guys that we may regret not drafting, and Dylan, uh, I know you've got an interesting one. And believe it or not, this was one of the three players I was considering to put on my list as well because he was a guy that for most people won them their fantasy leagues last year because they were able to pick him up uh, based on how things unfolded there with another situation at running back. Uh, James Conner, he was that guy last year, and I agree that he could certainly be that guy this year if you completely say, you know what, Uh, maybe he's not going to have the same situation. Maybe they're going to look at a committee situation with the Steelers. Uh, But James Conner, man, he, he proved that he could carry the load last year. Yeah, for someone with still a fairly high ADP, it it feels like to me he's kind of flying under the radar. You don't see him on a lot of these uh, lists as a guy to kind of jump up and get. He's going 18th overall, 7th among running backs. Yeah, I just think... Um, I think some people kind of thought it maybe it was a, a, almost a fluky thing or, you know, they're giving a lot of credit to Pittsburgh off, Pittsburgh's offensive line, which I think is fair, but I don't think that's going to change. I think Pittsburgh's still going to have a great offensive line. I still think they're going to run the ball well. I think James Conner's only going to improve with his vision and some of the things he does. He kind of struggled at certain points down the stretch with some injuries, but um, he's one guy that I feel like I might see him. Um, on a, on a, one of my drafts and be like well you know like you know, I don't know how much I really trust this name yet going compared to some of these guys that are in that same kind of ballpark and then you'll end up seeing him finish top four top three in fantasy scoring um, in Pittsburgh's offense which I think is still going to be great so yeah definitely think for me if I don't end up drafting James Carter and I have a chance and he has a great year I'm going to be knocking myself in the head <laughs> Yeah, no, he proved it last year. Had the potential, like I said, they have sort of mentioned the 
the committee opportunities, potential for that, but he is someone I think they'll turn back to uh, when they find themselves in those situations where they really need yards or if they need somebody they can really go to in the passing game as well. I think James Conner could be that guy that you certainly don't want to regret uh, not drafting, just like you don't want to regret not drafting Travis Kelsey. <laughs> um, and he's my guy, and I'll tell you, and the reason why he's he's my guy with this is because this happens every year. You see it in leagues. Um it's all about the position. He's a tight end. So we're not going to value him as much because he's a tight end. Well, you know what? <laughs> he's a tight end that puts up uh, receiver-like numbers and a very high one at that. Um, he, Because of his role in that offense, you just cannot ignore this guy. You cannot treat this guy to me like a traditional tight end. That's not what he is. I mean, he had one of the best fantasy seasons we've seen in a while from a tight end perspective. And he could have an even better one this year. Um, so, I I mean, you have to put him up there. When you're looking at this, you can't just say, well, I'm going to make sure that I look at all of these running backs and all these wide receivers before I even consider Travis Kelsey. I'm not saying take him with a number one pick. Please don't quote me on that. That's not what I'm saying. <laughs> we have the audio to prove that that's not what I'm saying. However... <laughs> Do not just skip over this guy because he is a stud and he could have another monster season. Yeah, absolutely. I think you have to basically value Kelsey just like a receiver. Um, uh, He's going 15.5 as his uh, average ADP on ESPN. A uh, guy that if you ha- if you've had him on your fantasy teams, you, it, it feels uh, you know tight end is sometimes overlooked, but it does feel nice to know you don't have to worry about that position each week. A lot of all of other teams in your league are going to be looking at two matchups and kind of deciding each time which one has a better look, and then you know how that goes. <laughs> um, whereas with Kelsey, you, you can you can just slot him in there each week and know you're going to have a great performance and. As we've talked about, there's maybe like two, three guys at tight end that really you feel like are going to put up solid numbers throughout a year. You can easier, more easily find, you know, maybe a receiver that's being overlooked or a running back and kind of plug and have guys sit on your bench that eventually have bigger roles. It's not going to happen as easily at tight end. Uh, yeah, I think you made a good pick with Kelsey here. If you, uh, you might regret him if you don't get him. We'll see in our clutch points fantasy draft what happens. <laughs> Here's what's funny. I was going to bring this up. It was a smaller league last year. It was like one of those family leagues. You have to play in a family league, right? Mm-hmm. So it was a family league, and all four of these guys we just touched on. I had all four of them on my team. I had Antonio Brown, Travis Kelsey, <laughs> David Johnson, James Conner. That's why oh, I won man. the league. Okay? I was going to say. So, <laughs> there you go. Um, no, the, the James Conner one, that was the one that sealed it. Because picking him up, it was one of those deals where, hey, there are good parts when you work for clutch points because you get those immediate alerts right away and you know what the situation is. Um, so, hey, go find the clutch points mobile app and you will get those notifications and know that if a running back is out, you know exactly who to pick up um, because that's what happened with the Le'Veon Bell situation last year and pick up James Conner, that gets you a lot of good stuff. So, um, all right, Dylan, that wraps up our fantasy fun here. I think we gave people plenty of stuff to chew on. Uh, if you're going into your draft with some unknowns, go through all these things we just talked about, write down every single one of these players um, that gives you a better idea of where you're at and maybe where they're going to be at uh, in your draft so you know what to expect all right we quickly wrap up here with uh, another fun little part here we mentioned uh, you know our, our biggest questions for the AFC NFC teams here on the past couple episodes but now we look at the Achilles heel potentially for all the Super Bowl contenders out there and Dylan I know you've limited it to six teams per conference so <laughs> seems outrageous it's six already <laughs> seems like too many but it's so hard for me to cut down I'm so excited about so many teams oh my gosh if we we, we should have went through all 32 teams we should have had the we should have had the Bengals fans out there thinking oh my gosh these guys included us in the Super Bowl contenders 
um, and all of these other ones. But uh, I'm sorry, Bengals. I'm not knocking you, but um, that was just the first team that came to my mind because you do play in a really tough division. And so go back to our last episode, and I'll tell you exactly why uh, I have my concerns about you. But uh, let's start off here. And like I said, Dylan, we'll run through these quickly. Uh, mm-hmm. We just don't really have these in much of an order. They're just kind of random order. So let's start with the Cowboys. Uh, what do you think is going to be the biggest Achilles heel for the Cowboys trying to get to the Super Bowl this season? Yeah, uh, one thing before we go through these, as I'll mention with the Achilles heel, it's kind of hard to pick one before the season starts. A lot of times over the course of the year, you can kind of see one thing that might end up costing teams. We saw it kind of with the Chiefs and their rush defense. We'll get to that in a bit, too, when they played the Patriots. It kind of got exposed against the Ravens. So some of these things are based on last year. They'll probably change over the season. Uh, With the Cowboys, I put coaching just real quick. It goes to their game against the Rams in the playoffs. They had one of the best run defenses in the NFL, but they were tipping their um, if they were going to stunt or not, which means hitting a different gap than the one you're lined up over they're tipping it based on their alignment the rams were able to read it yeah if you watch that game they had huge holes all day they ran for 273 yards um you had um anderson looking like he was uh, i don't know bo jackson out there so it was <laughs> it was kind of crazy um but you know they have with you know their defense hopefully will adjust uh, they got kellen moore hopefully breathing some creative life into their play calling so we'll see what happens but that was one problem i just think there's some teams that are a little more cutting edge than dallas um, on the coaching front right now and then the colts they're a team that's been talked about you know as a potential afc south they're the favorite in that division uh what sort of stands out to you and i think we we probably sort of know what that is with the andrew luck situation but there's also something else that can come into play with them yeah, if Andrew Luck's literal Achilles heel or something along those lines uh, gets injured, that's going to be the issue. But I put beating the best of the best. We saw the Colts last year. They they started, I think, 1-5 or 1-6 or some along there along those lines, and they got hot and were winning a ton of games. But that first stretch of wins before they had one more loss late in the season was against teams with losing records that ended up out of the playoff race. They only ended up winning, beating uh, two teams in the regular season that made the playoffs. The dominant win over the Cowboys does stand out. But overall, they, they really struggled with top, comp, top competition. I think we saw that in the regular season loss where they got smacked by the Patriots and then the playoffs of the Chiefs just overwhelmed them. The Colts are good. I think they're, you know, I, I said before, I think they're a Super Bowl contender, but I want to see them beat the best of the best. We'll make our Super Bowl picks here on, on before the season starts, and uh, you'll know exactly what we feel about the Colts. But uh, we, we transfer that to two teams in the NFC North that everybody has their eye on. That is, of course, the Packers and the Bears. Um, Dylan, what are the two things that could keep those two teams uh, from reaching the Super Bowl this season? For the Packers, I struggled to pick one, so I put their backup quarterback situation as well as their just overall competition in the division. Uh, I think Deshaun Kaiser struggled so far in the preseason. Uh, If Rodgers does get injured or have a nagging thing again, uh, what's the answer there? That could obviously derail any team, though, with the top quarterback, so that's why I went into the competition of their division. I think the Vikings and Bears are two heavyweights that uh, are kind of firmly established themselves at the top of the division. Um, especially the Bears this last season coming in. So we'll see if the Packers in year one of LaFleur are going to ascend that. I think, you know, on a long scale, maybe two, three years from now, they're the team best set up with a lot of young players on defense. But I think the competition in the division right now could be the biggest factor. And then for the Bears, it's an easy one. It's field goal kicking. This team was right there, could have won a playoff game if they could just hit a 40-yard field goal, and it didn't happen. Now now they have Cody Parkey gone, leaving a a dead cap of $5 million from a kicker. I mean, that's not something you see every day. And then 
Um, their offense has, I think, is only going to get a little better this year. I don't think I think it's going to kind of be like what we saw with McVay, where maybe the quarterback situation isn't the top of the top, but the system itself is built to succeed against different defenses. Uh, their defense is incredible, but I think a lot of times we'll see. You saw it in the Rams Saints uh, NFC title game. Field goal kicking can be the difference if you have a guy that can knock down a 55 yarder when you need it to make the Super Bowl. It's a huge difference in a guy that can't make a 40 yarder to win a playoff game. Yeah, and another team we have on our list, and I think we've actually already covered this probably in the in the headline section, and that's the Chargers, um, who are certainly a team that has Super Bowl aspirations, but their injury situation, uh, we mentioned it with Durham and James, and mm-hmm. you you know made the correlation between them and injuries, and it's something that's hit them over the years. Um, and, and, you know, they have the talent. It's just the injuries, and, again, we, we discussed that earlier. That's really the main theme here with the Chargers, um, and so I would, you know, I think we're both in agreement on that, that yep. their injury situation is going to be what determines whether they could or could not get to the Super Bowl. Uh, of course, we have to go to the defending champions, and that is the New England Patriots. Um, this is finally the year, isn't it, Dylan? This is finally the year that someone or something is going to get in the way uh, of the Patriots uh, getting a Super Bowl title, even though that's happened a couple times over the years. But still, we all know everyone's going to look in them and feel like they're the favorites. Yeah, I don't think the Patriots really have an Achilles heel because of Belichick's ability to change what they do week to week against different teams, how he's built the roster. I think they've kind of figured out the modern NFL with these kind of second contract guys with rookies in certain places, letting them walk if they need to, getting third round picks in return and reamping their whole team. They, they've done such a good job of not having an Achilles heel. But the one, if there's going to be one day, if Tom Brady finally has father time catch up, that's the only thing they can't really prevent with all these uh, cap manipulation and all the things they do with their play calling and as a team development wise. I don't see it happening, but if there is one Achilles heel, it's father time finally hitting Tom. (laughs) Well, it could, and that's something where I know there's a lot of other fan bases around the NFL hoping that happens. Uh, They've been waiting on that, and they they hope that's going to be the case. Um, All right, let's lump these three teams together because these are all teams that I think people expect to have really good offenses um and that's the saints the chiefs and the rams mm-hmm. however a couple of those teams dylan could have some defensive concerns uh and one of them uh they can have a really good offense but they need their offensive line to step up yeah the offensive line is my concern with the rams i think everything they do it's so crucial that they have one of the top offensive lines not just for the running game but for Goff. he's immensely better when he has time to survey the defense than when he's under pressure he gets cut back, but it still doesn't completely make up for that. Now they have two offensive linemen coming in um, that are in, they're either second-year or third-year guys, and Joseph Noteboom and Brian Allen playing uh, left guard and center. If they can be successful, I'm just concerned of the depth. Say Andrew Whitworth, great, absolutely one of the best pickups the Rams have had in these last two years. But if he goes down, what happens to that left tackle? If Havenstein goes down at right tackle, what do they do there? They just don't have the depth, so I'm concerned with those. But yeah, going to the other two teams in this list uh, that we're kind of moving together, the Saints, I'm worried about their secondary. It did improve with Eli Apple, but still finished 29th in uh, pass defense last season. I think you saw in the, their playoff loss to the Rams, uh, that was a big factor. And then obviously the Chiefs run defense touched on that. They finished last against the run the last couple seasons. Doesn't matter if they're running up the score and winning by a lot of points and teams have to pass to get back into it. But just you saw the Ravens kind of jump on that and their uh, narrow Chiefs win in the regular season with almost 200 rushing yards and the Patriots perfected it in the AFC title game they ran 48 times the Chiefs didn't have a point in the whole first half they ended up with 176 yards won the time of possession battle basically 44 minutes to 21 minutes um, after overtime so yeah Chiefs run defense definitely a factor for them 
two teams will group together that it may be sort of in that, I guess, underrated Super Bowl contenders kind of spot. But I think both people are, or both a lot of people are expecting uh, these two teams to really break out. And that's the two teams from the AFC North. And that's the Ravens and the Browns still. Yeah, so for the Ravens, I put Achilles Hill is uh, having to pass the ball and the defense knows it's coming. We've seen what they've been able to do running. Uh, Lamar Jackson did show in the fourth quarter against the Chargers that he can throw it when he needs to, but some of those plays were a little wonky. A little, uh, couple of plays where Charger defenders tried to make a play and kind of got got themselves out of position so we'll see if they can pass on you know third and long second and long situations where the defense sees it coming and then the browns it's left tackle with greg robinson and following the rams uh, the former number two pick was a big bust for them he you know he improved tremendously in year one with the browns after getting cut by the lines in 2017 they have such great skill across the whole uh, skill position players across the whole offense but the offensive line already took a bit of a hit when they traded kevin zeitler in the obj trade so yeah greg robinson if he can't if he can't hold up on the on the backside I mean, Baker can still elude defenders, but it could be end, up, uh, end up being a huge problem for Cleveland. And then finally, we wrap up here with the uh, the team that I know you mentioned last week you feel like has potentially the most talent, uh, you know, of anyone in the NFL in terms of just uh, their depth. Uh, and they, you know, but maybe depth is a concern at one key position, and that is the Eagles. Yep, I'm going with quarterback depth here. They don't have that Nick Foles insurance policy this time. I've, I kind of mentioned it last week. Um, they did sign Josh McCown with Nate Sudfeld and Cody Kessler getting hurt. Um, I, ideally, Carson Wentz stays healthy all year, and it doesn't matter. And, you know, there's plenty of teams that have been able to do that with their quarterbacks. Um, but that's the one – yeah, I just think they're so deep at every other position that if there's one Achilles heel I had to pick off the top of my head, it was quarterback depth behind Wentz if he does have another nagging injury. All right, so there's the ones that we made the cut on for Super Bowl contenders. Like Dylan said, he could probably add several more to this list. Um, but you'll uh, you'll have more kind of on what our thoughts are on that when we do our big predictions episode, uh, which will be before the regular season starts. So be sure you're subscribed so you can get that. But that wraps it up, Dylan. We uh, we went through a lot of great stuff. Again, fantasy preparations, what everybody's focusing on right now. Uh, but teams are in full swing. We're getting ready. The regular season will be here before you know it. And so next week on the podcast, uh, we will talk about the best non-playoff teams from uh, last season that could make deep runs in the playoffs this season and look at playoff teams from last season that could possibly miss the playoffs this season. So all about the playoffs uh, next week on the season. Yes, playoffs. And uh, that's what we're going to talk about as the main theme. Also look at some of the rookies that are making the biggest impact. We mentioned some of them in the fantasy portion. Uh, But Dylan, uh, another fun week in the NFL. And uh, I guess let everybody know where they can find all our good stuff. Yeah, you can find us, uh, as Blake mentioned earlier, on the Clutch Points app. Uh, you know, we'll be sending a lot of more notifications on the NFL side this season. We still have, uh, we still have been covering all the news as it happens, as well as uh, quite a bit of original editorial content. So definitely check that out either on the app or at clutchpoints.com. We now have a Instagram and a Twitter for the Establish the Past podcast. So go follow those. Uh, I think on Twitter, it's at CPNFLpod. And then on um, Instagram, I'd have to get, I'll put it in the, the uh, little section about the uh, podcast. But, yeah, we have it on there. We'll always be posting it on our bigger Clutch Points NFL uh, Twitter and Instagram. So follow us there. And then, yeah, uh, we are now on – we have it on iTunes, uh, Spotify, uh, SoundCloud. I added to iHeartRadio, a few other places. So you'll be able to find our podcast at pretty much hopefully any any spot that you listen to it. 
Yep, we're everywhere now, so all you have to do is search for Establish the Pass and uh, be sure to visit Clutch Points. Uh, lots of great stuff going over there. Keep you up to date with all the NFL knowledge. Find the app. Uh, just search for the Clutch Points app. You can find all that there as well. And uh, we're all on Twitter, all over the place. Uh, a lot more great stuff to come here on the podcast. Thanks for all the feedback thus far. A lot of great feedback, Dylan, we've gotten. And mm-hmm. uh, a lot more fun stuff on the way here as we roll throughout the preseason with the regular season right around the corner. So uh, a lot more great stuff coming along on the way here on the podcast. Be sure to subscribe so you don't miss any of the great stuff uh, that we do have on the way here.